Welcome on in. Welcome on in to the Leadership Podcast. The Leadership Podcast is where we will explore transformational power of personal leadership. We're going to deep dive into conversation with influential leaders, experts, and change makers who are reshaping the way we lead and inspire others. Our goal here on the Leadership Podcast is simply to influence, inspire, and empower men to make the shift in their personal leadership by becoming the best version of themselves. We will share tools, tips, and resources to ignite self-awareness and authenticity. It's all about helping men become more effective and impactful in their leadership. Get ready. The shift is about to take place. It's the Leadership Podcast with Dwayne Roberts. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Dwayne Roberts. On the Leadership Podcast, our goal is to influence, inspire, and ignite men to make the shift in their personal leadership by becoming the best version of themselves. It's here we'll unlock true potential. We'll strive to share tools, tips, and resources to ignite self-awareness and authenticity. I want to say thank you for taking a vital step to becoming the best version of you. On today's episode of the Leadership Podcast, we're talking to Darius Fennell, a proud HBCU alumnus of North Carolina A&T State University. He's a mental health therapist, advocate, and coach. He strives to bring anxiety awareness and resources and plan execution to help African-American men get past the mental health stigmas and seek professional help as needed. He's also a published author of Leaving Jupiter, Navigating Anxiety and Recovery. Fellas, help me give a warm virtual welcome to my friend, Darius Fennell. What's happening, D? Hey, hey, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Looking forward to a great conversation and happy new year to you. Happy new year, brother. Um, so uh, we what, three days in? Yep. How, sure. how has the new year been transitioning? Uh, pretty relaxing for me. Um, I've been off from work and I've been home with my kids, just, you know, enjoying the time together. So um, that's how it's been for me so far. Yeah. You guys do, do anything exciting over the, the, the couple of couple, uh, days off? Oh, my gosh. Uh, besides eating and just watching, <laughs> watching TV series and all types of just this was just a time to relax. Uh, 2023 was pretty, you know, action filled and um, lots of great things um, compared to some other years. But you, you, it's important to take that time to just sometimes just do nothing other than, than just enjoy the company of those that you love. So and that's that's exactly what we did. Man, I love that. So true, man. Um, I got to admit, I took the first few days off. Um, I actually went back to work just yesterday. Matter of fact, um, well, I took the last end of the last week of the new, uh, ended 2023 off uh, to spend some time with the fam. Um, I currently live out in Colorado, uh, Colorado, and we went up and took a, a, a winter treat. Winter, we wanted a white Christmas for sure. Right. So we went up to the mountains where it was about negative four, man, listen, <laughs> your boy from the South, man, I'm a Florida boy. <laughs> Oh man, <laughs> that negative four wasn't you know 
I mean, I got to admit, it was nice. It was nice, but um, uh, it took some getting used to. But we had a phenomenal time, man. So it's good, man, to get started. To your, just to your point, man, taking some time, relaxing, spending time with family yes. is key, man. Nothing yep. like it. So, yep. my my friend, do uh, do me a favor. Yes. Introduce yourself to the to to the audience. Let them know. Give them a little back history on Darius, um, his yes. upbringing, where he's from, and um, bring us into um, to current what you're doing currently. Yeah. So, goodness, where where do I even begin? So, um, the name is Darius Finnell, as uh, mentioned uh, earlier. Um, what kind of got me into this whole thing of mental health was. My whole life, I have had anxiety. Um, diagnosed officially about six years ago, seven years ago now, since 2024. Um, but anxiety is something that has kind of coexisted with me from the time I, I can remember, and I just thought it was a normal thing. You know, it just it was just a part of my life, and I just learned to live with it. I used it as fuel. Um, there were couple of times that maybe it got the most of me, but I always found a way to you know recover from it and just continue to leverage it, whether it be in school, sports, or, you know, life. Um, until about seven years ago, when that anxiety had gone to a place of a panic attack and was debilitating and would not go away. Um, this was just before I turned 40 years old, 45 now. And I just finished this work assignment that normally would take me a good, I don't know, three weeks, sometimes four weeks. My overachieving self decided to do it in three hours. Wow. And after that, I was like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and, and take a nap. Well, it was at that point where my body basically said, you know what? We gave you years to take heed to all the warnings we've been giving you. So now we're going to run the show. And so I woke up to a heart resting heart rate of 140, which had never happened to me before. And I'm like, okay, look at my wife. I was like, take me to the hospital. I think I'm dying. Right. Because <laughs> yeah. Unless you're actively thinking about something or physically doing something, your heart rate shouldn't be doing that. Right. right? And since I didn't know at the time what I was dealing with, I immediately focused on my heart and said, okay, um, if you don't get me to the hospital, something bad is probably going to happen. Uh, not only that, but my, my chest got really tight. My throat got really tight. I felt like I was kind of in a, a dream world. Mm. Uh, and this just went on even after I got to the, the hospital. And, you know, initially they started running like a couple of tests. Like, ah, you know, we, you, you're all right. You just, you know, probably need to, uh, to rest or whatever. But I'm like, no, I was already asleep. Listen, I was asleep. Having good sleep. <laughs> <laughs> this thing woke me up into a full-blown imagine for a second if a lion was trying to eat you she's running you down you don't have too many places to go and you know it's like man this is this feels like it's about to be the end mm. imagine how your mind and body would feel right but there's no lion mm. and that's why i'm like okay i'm not thinking about anything the thing that i was worried about you know that ne needed to be done within three or four weeks i did it already so I should be in coast mode. I should be relaxed, right? Why is this happening to me? What is going on? You know? And then I thought back to, um, I don't know if you saw the documentary they did with Serena Williams or heard her story about when she had her first child. She was telling the doctors, you know, something doesn't, you know, feel right. 
you know, and they're like, ah, oh, no, you, you know, you just had a baby, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, we're just going to send you home. She's like, no, I, you know what? Just can you guys like run some additional tests? And it turned out, I think she'd had like a history of blood clotting or something like that. Something that was really dangerous. If it had not been, you know, treated, you know, she would not be here, you know, with us. So I immediately started thinking about her like, nah, y'all not sending me home. Yeah. I know something isn't right, you know, and the thing I came in here with isn't gone anywhere. It hasn't changed. So why would I leave? You know, you guys need to run some more tests. <laughs> so what turned out from a couple of tests ended up being about five days in the hospital. They're running endless stuff. Mm. And coming back with nothing. Everything was normal. And I'm like, it can't be normal. This isn't supposed to be happening to me. You know, I don't feel safe. I feel like I want to like run. Mm -hmm. There's nothing to run from. And I'm stuck in this state. Now that I know is a term called uh, nervous system dysregulation, where you're stuck in, in fight or flight. It's one of those things where either a traumatic event happens or there's a cumulative effect of stress and, you know, just a bunch of uh, stressful things that that, that kind of continuously happen that will drive your body into that particular state. And this Our is body, where you this is where you were at this time during that yes. time. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was just the the grand opening started with the, the rapid uh heartbeat. Mm -hmm. That was finally the thing that got my attention. There were things leading up, I look if I were to be honest with myself, like the signs were there. But I did like I always did, which was, hey man, you know, man up, yeah. find another gear and keep pushing through. Mm. You, know, you yeah. don't have time to be weak. You don't have time to be sad. You don't have time to you know, be afraid or, 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 you know, anything that would look like you're, you're inadequate, man, you know, get back in the game and, and keep going. But what, every, what, why do you think that was, what, what, what's, what's happening that you saying to yourself, I need to man up anyway and keep going. What's think, happening in your life at that um, time? You know, culturally, we never were kind of taught to live in a place of thriving. Mm. Everything, even going back to my parents' generation and generation before that, you know, especially Jim Crow South, it was about survival. Mm -hmm. You didn't really have time to let me process my emotions here. Let me get my journal and write down how I'm. Nah, man, you got to try to figure out where your next meal is coming from and make sure that you you are safe. And this is where you were during this time, yes, um, of, of the panic attack. Okay. Yeah. Well, at, at that point, it was it was so full blown. It was I was just kind of more of a state of what's going to happen to me. Mm -hmm. This isn't what you, you know, with, within your body, when something's not right, like even if you, if you get out and you pull a muscle, you're like, okay, I pulled my hamstring. I can't just go running down the street right now. Let me go right. and get it looked at, make sure there's nothing ripped, nothing requires surgery. Uh, maybe I just ice it for a little while and stay off of it and maybe do a little bit of physical therapy and, and then get back in it, you know? Mm -hmm. But the thing is, you know what you're dealing with. I didn't. That whole time I was focusing on, it's got to be something like cardio, something with, with, with my heart that's just, because my heart rate won't come down, my blood pressure won't come down, and I don't understand why. Hmm. Now, in the hospital, um, this is where you are. What, yep. what, what were some of the measures they take, and did, were they able to reduce your heart rate in that time, keep you Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. They, they can give you all, all types of medicines that'll, you know, bring, bring those numbers down. Right. Uh, so... From that standpoint of you know, basically keeping you alive, you know. You know I'm ahead. sorry, you mentioned that. And it made me think of a, a moment in time um, where I had, um, um, you know, I, I was, I was, I struggled with high blood pressure. Okay. And I, remember, 
I remember uh, going to the emergency room because my, my pressure was high and they gave me, I can't remember they, what they gave me, what they called it, the, the serum or something of that nature. It was mm-hmm. a mixture of different uh, medications to help me. Oh, yeah. the yeah. So you got the same, the same thing, something similar. Okay. Well, they, they, they started me with uh, a beta blocker. Mm-hmm. So I think it's propanol is what it was called. Um, it's more of a short-term one that you take. And then I, then I switched over to a, a slow release one. I can't remember. It starts with an M. I don't remember all those, those medical terms. Right, I, right, right. I hated it. Oh my gosh. It, it made the numbers what they were supposed to be, but the side effects of it made me always feel like I was run down. So I'm like, okay, I came in here dealing with, you know, a panic attack and anxiety that just was sustained. Now I'm dealing with the side effects of these medicines. My numbers are where they're supposed to be, but I feel like I got this wet blanket hanging on me all day. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's like, I can't win. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's good. I like that. So, um, how long? How long? How long were you in the hospital? How long? Um, before they released you? Yeah, it was a total of, of five days. Five days. Yeah. Series of tests over and over. What's going through your mind for five days? Um, tests. The results coming up. I guess negative. They can't find anything. What's What's going through anything. your mind? I'm like. Okay, how long is this going to go on? When can I go home? <laughs> and will I ever be who I was before I came in here? Because mm. this same, but like, it's here to stay for a little while. Mm-hmm. You know? That's a powerful question. Will I be who I was before I came out? And, and I guess you raised the question Are you that? Who have you become now, today, since that incident? Well, so this is where. When I, I mentioned the stigmas of not wanting to, you know, look weak or feel weak or look crazy or feel crazy or be inadequate, there's certain things that you go through that will kind of make you open to other options. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Basically, put your ego to the side and say, you know what, I really need some help. Yeah. So mm-hmm. let me put these things aside of what I, how I feel about therapy. Or going to my doctor's office and, and getting like the full you know workup I'm I'm supposed to do on on a yearly basis. Let me go ahead and, and do all those things so we can rule out you know any other condition that be that may be causing these things to occur with within my, my mind and body. You know, a big part of that was um, going to therapy where you unpack all types of stuff. Mm, you know, okay. I didn't want to go. I didn't want to do that initially. So. Backing up about maybe six months before that, my wife and I had, had lost a, a baby. We had made mm-hmm. it to about twenty weeks, twenty weeks, and, and uh, the baby didn't, fortunately, didn't didn't make it. So uh, that was very difficult to, you know, experience and go through. And I don't wish that on on anybody. Yeah, I could only imagine. Time I started using my um, employee uh, assistance programs, where they'll have stuff from, you know, you can get lawyers or any life thing that you have a problem with, these assistance programs can help you. And one of the things they had in there was like therapy and counseling. I was like, hey, you know, let me, let me just run through the, you know, the program and see what they come up with. And so I'd gone through the process and narrowed down to the person who I would potentially want to, you know, meet with and start having, you know, sessions with. And I was like, yeah, I don't need that. I'm good. I'll do like I always do, you know, and, um, I'll just push through, I'll, I'll push the clutch in and find another gear and, and, and keep going because 
up to that point that it always worked. So, so how long, how long did, how long was it now? Because I, I get like that. I don't need that. You yeah. know, uh, I, I, you know, uh, matter of fact, I'm, I'm scared of, uh, I, I'm, I'm claustrophobic. Right. Okay. And recently, and recently had, uh, was asked to go do an MRI. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was like, man, y'all can't get me in that. I'm I'm, I'm good on that right there. (laughs) But I know I know I need this. I need this this MRI. Um, So what was I know this was you possibly thinking like this. I need and find out what's going on. But but I don't really need this. This is your attitude about it. How long was that stint before you made the choice to say, you know what? I need this therapy and and, and sought after the help. It's about eight months and it took my, my you know, life situation being in a crisis mode to, to go. And that's one of the reasons why I, I choose to be an advocate and speak up now is, you know, one of my messages, you don't have to wait for a crisis to happen mm. in order to go, because guess what? Like it, it was not a fast recovery. Yeah. It, it was a crock pot, but no microwave. Like this was, you're going to have to sit with this for a minute I couldn't stand it, but it's like, I don't have a choice at this point. I've got to go through and work through the core issues, whether it's, you know, uh, the way I've kind of neglected my self-care all the way down to things that maybe happened to me as a child, all the way to my, my limited belief systems that, that exist right now. Like I have to impact all that stuff and I had nothing but time. And, and you know? did that through therapy. Yeah, absolutely. Oh man. I'm, yeah. I, I want to unpack that because um, the, the experience from a kid, some of that, that past experience, mm-hmm. um, as, as well as the limiting beliefs. Um, yeah. One, the one thing I, I kind of try, I love to help men unpack is just that these yeah. limiting beliefs, and yeah. it almost sounds like through therapy you realize that there was something, a trigger or a, a, a situation, yeah, a trauma from the past that might have put you might, might have had you found found yourself in this position. Talk to me more about unpack that. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. So, um, I've I've actually done therapy for about six years now. I, I just recently um took a break from it, um, just because you know I, it's showing up every week is it's not easy. It's not mm-hmm. like you're getting together with your friends in a barbershop and talking about who's you know the best basketball player of all times, Michael or LeBron, and you know you gets animated and you have fun. There's some very uncomfortable conversations that has to take place and really being honest with yourself. That's not, it's not always easy. There's times where you're not even going to like what your therapist has to say, or even like your therapist because they hit on some truth that, you know, has been kind of trapped within you for a long time that you have been lying to yourself about, Yeah, you know, for me, I guess going back to, if I just kind of do a little family history, both my parents taught in the school systems. And so from an academic standpoint, even behavior standpoint, we had high expectations of, of ourselves, right? Um, what ends up happening is we all in our own way internalize stuff. Mm-hmm. For me, I internalize, well, I, I get my sense of worth and value by how I perform, mm-hmm. right? And so since it's not something that's actually sustainable, it will never be enough. It doesn't matter how much you do, how much you achieve, how well you behave, how perfect you are able to execute on certain things. Trying to get your sense of worth and value um, from those things will never be sustainable. And so, in essence, there's no sense of balance in what you do. 
there's no time to really say, you know, what, I'm, I'm in a season of where I need to rest and take some time off. When you're in this kind of survival mode of, I, I, it's almost like an addiction, right? Like you, you, you more never satisfies, mm-hmm. right? Like the, even within your, your own system, nervous system and, and what makes you feel kind of gratified. Like it's not the same every time. Like every time you get that hit, you have to hit it harder or get more of it just to get that same little, little buzz. Right. Um, you know, some people you can kind of see that obviously with drugs or alcohol, but it also comes from, you know, being a workaholic. It also comes from having to be right all the time. It also comes from not wanting to be accountable. Mm. It also comes from living an, an out of balance lifestyle. You're, you're at work all the time, neglecting your family, neglecting your wife, or ne- neglecting your 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 kids because you feel like I got to have this over here so that I feel important, right? And you think it's good intentions, but something somewhere is getting neglected. Yeah, yeah. And it catches up to you. And like I always, what I've said on you know, when I talk with other people, the bill comes due. Everything you do comes with a cost. You have to decide what are you willing to pay. Yeah. So and in, in, in so many words, I hear you say that I was just driven for results. I wasn't focused on the, the people that was most important to me um, and therefore driving for those results um, led to to uh, high anxiety as well. as yeah, from it's, that experience. It, it's the culmination of things, because even like when I mentioned that my, my, my wife and I lost a child, like all my focus went into her making sure she was OK. Mm. So, you know, I, I had necessarily neglected my family. I neglected me. Oh, that's good. You know? Yeah. So yeah. it was like, do everything for everybody else. Make sure everybody else is fine. Make sure all the bills are paid. Make sure, you know, all the stuff that, you know, we define as, you know, what manhood is. Let me make sure I'm checking all those boxes. And, oh, man, you know what? When's the last time you actually went to bed by 10 o'clock? When's the last time you went to the gym and worked out? When's the last time you just kind of went for a walk and just kind of relaxed for a little bit? I can't remember. When was the last time you ate a green vegetable? I don't know. Wow. But I'm functional, so I think I'm okay. Right? And that's right. the illusion. That's yeah. the illusion. And when when that when my illusion was broken, it scared the heck out of me. Yeah. Because I'm like, you know what? I'm not invincible like I thought I was. Yeah. I thought I could always bounce back from anything. And guess yeah. what? Now you may I don't know if you watched any of the Rocky movies, but Ivan Drago is, is here, you know, and you're Apollo Creed, right? And uh, he, he'd come to take you out, and there's there's no recovery from this, not not immediate, you know? And that that year, I was rocked, you know, beyond my willpower or anything I'd used in the past to help me bounce back from stuff. I'm like, wow, like, I I may not be able to come out of this. I've never had that, that thought process hit me before, you Man. know? Being in a dark place, man. That's that's so powerful because um, it it bring me back one to the stigmas of um of mental health that um African American men have. Talk to me about those stigmas and unpack those stigmas. One or two for me. Yeah, um, the, the biggest ones is not wanting to appear weak, mm-hmm. right? Because when I went to therapy, not every session was filled with tears. But when the hard questions get asked that nobody's ever asked you before, yeah, you're going to shed a few. Yeah. You're not going to come in, you know, flexing. Therapy is not a flexing time unless you come in and, you know, you share a win with your therapist. Hey, you know, last week, you know, I remember we had talked about such and such and we used, I used the tools and I was able to, yeah, good job. But before you get to that point, it's, 
Yeah, man. Tell me about um, why are you so angry? Let's mm. get to the root of this anger part. You know, um, why is it that anytime you're asked about something that is, um, you know, requires you to be accountable how about your you're really feeling, you, you deflect and you go back into what your accomplishments are. What is what it that some, you're covering? What were some of those results? What were what were you finding? What was the answer to those questions? Did did they come to you? So, like I said, for me, it was the internalized sense of my wealth, my sense of worth comes from performance, right? When I was debilitated to the point where there's a term called agoraphobia, mm-hmm. where you have a fear of, of leaving your house, mm-hmm. you know, and mostly uh, my biggest fear was I'm going to leave the house and have a panic attack and nobody's going to be able to help. Right. So when you've lost kind of your capacity to do those things that gave you your sense of worth, who are you now? You know? And so that was kind of what I had to deal with now that I can't, you know, turn up the, the, the gears and continue to cover this kind of fig leaf of shame, which is really the, the, the biggest thing none of us wants to admit to like the shame that, that we deal with. Um, that was kind of eye opening to say, okay, like, where do I go from here? If I can no longer do the things I used to do that would fill in and allow me to kind of be stuck in survival mode, but made me functional and to yeah. the world. Everybody's like, Oh man, look, he's, this guy's great. Look at all he's able to do. He's such a good, you know, outstanding citizen. He takes care of his family, blah, blah, blah. And you have no idea what I deal with when I lay down at night. Yeah. Thoughts in my head. Why can't you go to sleep? What's keeping you up? What are you so worried about? Mm-hmm. You know, those are things that you you will uncover and unpack in therapy. And again, it's not something that is very uh, comfortable. It's not always fun. But it's just like if, if you've ever injured yourself before and you've been to physical therapy, the first two weeks usually are pretty bad. Mm-hmm. You know, it feels counterintuitive. It's like, I feel like you, you're doing things that are making me hurt. But I'm supposed to be here to, you know, prove, you know, the motion of my arm or my back or whatever got injured. But it's like, guess what? Of of all these years that you spent doing things your way, you have atrophy and you've lost range of motion and you've lost flexibility and you have inflammation in there. The same thing happens emotionally. Right. You don't have the range of motion to have emotional intelligence because everything is just a response so that I can continue to fight and survive. Right. And, and there's time and place wow. for that. But yeah. not across the board. That's not sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so it's many funny. men at that place, bro. So many men at that place. What do you say to the guy um, when it comes to the mental health stigmas and yeah. overcoming them? You know, and, I would say. Oh, go ahead. No, finish. Go ahead. I, I would say, you know what? I, I can show you lived experience of what happens when you continue to put off getting the help that you need Mm. and let you know that the cost of that, the bill you're going to have to pay is more than what you have the capacity for, you know, but every man has to make their own decision and use their own agency to decide. Just like when there are people going through addiction recovery, you can say, Oh man, you you need to go to such and such, right? If they're not ready to go, then they won't do it. Or even if they show up, it's like, well, I'm only doing this because, I was told or I had some court order or something like that, right? Yeah. But when you yeah. know, I reached the point where I said, you know what? I told my therapist on day one, I said, listen, I'm stuck in this place where I don't know what I'm dealing with. And right now, 
God has my full attention. And so whatever it is you want me to do, I'm willing to do it. Mm. So I don't care. Ask me whatever you need to ask. Like, I'm ready to do the work. Uh, please, let's do the work. Matter of fact, I'll, I'll, I'll even initiate certain questions just so you're comfortable, you know, and knowing that I'm ready to get in there and, and, and dig into the dark areas. Because I realized there's no other way to come out of this except through that door that I had to come through in the first place. So let's go. I'm ready. Oh, man, 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 man. That's that's so good. Um, she's so good coming through that door that I went. What was that? What was okay? Unpack that just a little bit. Oh. What's that? Unpack that. What's that experience? What What was the first step? What were some steps that you had to take? All right. Here, here we go. And this one, it, it, again, is it, going to sound and feel counterintuitive. And I, I, at first, I couldn't stand it. But learning just how to sit with certain uncomfortable emotions. Mm. And I'm looking at my therapist like, okay, I reached the point where I'm finally willing to talk about these things. But um, my mindset was I'm talking about so we can get rid of this, right? right. We're going to bring it up and then we're going to throw it as far as we can and get away from it. And, you know, a good therapist is going to recognize, you know, someone who's just trying to check a bunch of boxes like I was trying to do and really just trying to escape the discomfort I was feeling. Right. right. Which is a natural human emotion, right? Like if, if right. somebody wants to touch, you know, put their hand in the fire and let it burn, like your natural inclination is, to, hey, let me get away from this. This this hurts. Right. But she taught me over <laughs> very again, going back to the crockpot analogy. Right. We're going to sit in here and, and just bake. We got to bake. We got to sit. We got to let all the juice and herbs just kind of soak in and really appreciate, you know, number one, how far you've been able to come, even in that, that survival mode. Right. Look how look how much you've been able to do. So thank yourself for being able to come this far. But now understanding that mode of operation is, is you're now in a transition. Mm-hmm. Right. And once I was able to sit with things long enough and understand, OK, it's not dangerous. It's just uncomfortable. This doesn't define who I am. This just describes where I've been, Ooh, not where I'm going. That's good. Say that one more time for the people in the back. I don't think they got that. <laughs> I'm, I'm in the flow. I don't even know what to say. <laughs> 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 you have to hit the rewind on the, on the video. <laughs> well, go back, fellas. Go back and hit, hit rewind on that one. <laughs> hit rewind on that one. Goodness, that was good. I, it was something to the effect that now you you know what it just slipped my mind now. Yeah, but it was good though. I think men need yeah. to hear that. You know, yeah. keep yeah. sharing, brother. Keep sharing. Yeah. So you know, after learning how to sit with things, now you get to the place of where you start to redefine your definitions of what it means to have worth and value. Right. If you never achieved another thing again, never accomplished anything again, or, or all the things that, you know, society says you need to check these boxes to, to be a man or be successful or have the American dream. If you never achieved any of those things, do you still have worth and value? And how do you define that? Mm. Right. So it's defined by the fact that you exist and it's intrinsic. Wow. You know, and it took a, it, even now I still have to kind of do affirmations to remind myself of that because of when you've done something for so long, there's a term uh, in the neuroscience called uh, neuroplasticity. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. So from the things that you experience, you basically are carving these brain 
you know, pathways yep. um, mm-hmm. that define like how you think and how you react and what you do, even on a subconscious level. Right. And so if you've done that for 30, 40 some years, you're not just going to do an affirmation for a week and just figure, oh, I'm free from this. Right. Right. Not, these things are, are, you know, like a tree, just deep rooted. We got to get down deep in here and, and, and pull these things out and, and plant the good stuff. I heard an expert explain it like this. It's like going to uh, the Grand Canyon and seeing uh, how the uh, the water has carved through the mountains. Uh, you know, this is what's happening in our brains uh, with some of the trauma and past experiences of life. And that's good. That's good. I like this. Uh, how do I define how do, how do I define my value? I, I think that's so important because uh, we can lose sight of who we truly are because we don't think we're good enough uh, yeah. or we uh, or we we don't think we uh, we're not being vulnerable and oh, don't want to be vulnerable. We yeah. have to be that strong man when the truth is, man, we're going to we have to get to this place and sit. With the uncomfortable emotions, sit now. I know you shared, but how long was that process for you? Like, and what was that? What was that? Was that what was that like for you? It it is ongoing, but I will say, I had to learn how to keep my my physical body calm because the first few times, mm. um. I almost had a, a full blown uh, panic attack right there in, in my therapy session. Was it from anger or or just reflection? Reflection. Hmm. Yeah, because I was like, "Oh, I haven't touched this in about thirty some years," and my body was like, "Oh, I remember that. That was dangerous." Um, here comes the cortisol. Here comes the adrenaline. You ready to fight? You ready to run? I'm like, "No, I'm sitting here with my therapist. Like, why are you? Oh, well, it's here now." And <laughs> it's funny because I'm sitting there with my therapist, and I said, "Um." I said, is it, is it getting hot in here? <laughs> she goes, no. <laughs> Did you have sweat beads coming off your forehead? I was like a Pepsi can out in a, in a cookout, man. It was just. <laughs> That's good. I, I, you know, I can picture that. I can truly picture that. Now, here, here's my next question for you. Um, what, um, do you, I know, I know you advocate for therapy, um, mm-hmm. but where does coaching come into that? Do you believe uh, there one? I'm sure. Ex- explain the difference between therapy and coaching when it comes to um, getting help. Yeah, so it, it's it's pretty simple here. So therapy is a state licensed, you know, um, entity where someone who has gone through uh, usually up to a master's program. And has passed certain requirements from the state to be able to practice, you know, uh, therapy, right? Um, coaching more so deals with setting goals and dealing dealing with um, those limited limiting belief uh, systems that uh, are, are preventing you from reaching certain certain goals. Like a coach should not be trying to diagnose you and say you have um, generalized anxiety disorder, right? That's mm-hmm. left to someone who is a clinician, you know. Right. Um, and that, that's, that's really the fundamental, you know, difference. Even I, I put disclaimers out when I go to different places and, and talk and let them know, listen, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a licensed professional. I'm sharing my lived experience and I'm saying yours is going to probably be unique. And this is why I say the importance of partnering and advocating for yourself with 
these licensed professionals and here's you know some tools that you can use to find a therapist here's some tools and things you can do to kind of be prepared for each each session um some questions you can ask here's some some uh, journal prompts that you can write down so you come equipped and be ready to talk to um whether it's your uh your primary care physician or your uh your therapist you need to come prepared with things that, that you need to talk about those most pressing things mm-hmm. because everything they tell you is based on the feedback you're going to get is based on what you tell them like if you come into a doctor's office and say I have fever sore throat um and my sinuses has been, you know, dripping based on those things and based on their past experience and their trained, you know, clinical experience. They're going to say, oh, it sounds like you have sinusitis or whatever they're going to diagnose you with. Right. Um, if you leave out certain symptoms and it's like, oh, shoot, like I forgot to tell them that uh, my, my stomach was uh, was upset. You know, that adds in a whole new dynamic that may change what your diagnosis is and how you need to be treated. Mm-hmm. And this is why I, I press and stress the importance of having a journal. It's not just, well, let me write down my 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 emotions, all the negative, gooey feelings that I'm that I've experienced. That's a good part of it. But some of it is like, what have you been experiencing over the last like three to five years? What major things did you encounter? How did that make you feel? And what struggles have you been having? Right? Yeah, that's good. Gonna usually start off with saying, you know, how was your week? Right. But I, I come with at least five or six bullet points to my therapy sessions. Yeah, mm. we good. Da, 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 and I was able to do this. Da, da, da. OK, now that we got the pleasantries out the way. Here's some, you know, dark, delicious things that we need to get into and, and let's just hit it. You That's know, good. I want yeah. I want to do the work because I know if I don't do it, I'm going to be stuck here. And yeah. guess, guess who's watching me? Guess who I'm modeling my life to? My kids. Oh, yeah. If I don't deal with it. Guess the next generation gets to deal with it. And it's usually worse. Yeah. And I'm finding that out. And, like, you know, as, as I'm older now and I've had, like, more adult conversations with my parents, I'm like, wow, so you, you dealt with this, too? Why didn't you tell me? You know what I'm saying? Like. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's so good, man. You know, I often share, you know, we hear this from a leadership perspective. The first person you have to learn how to lead is you, yes. you know. And being able to lead yourself well um, and being an example, modeling what you expect from others, right. I think is essential to keep to leadership. It's yes. not, about, not about telling your kids what to do. And I yeah. think we, we as parents, we got to get it twisted just a little bit. You know, we think we have to be in control of everything when the truth is you just have to lead yourself well, man, because yeah. what they'll do, they'll fall in. They'll follow suit. That's so good. I'm glad you shared that. Um, I'm glad too. You uh, you shared about the uh, the difference between clinical and coaching. Um, um, because my next question for you, I, I wasn't sure if you was a clinical, like um, or or just a coach, but you did clarify that you just do coaching. Um, you even gave you even broke us down uh, the plan execution just a little bit. I know in in your coaching, um, unlock that plan execution when it comes to um, dealing with anxiety. Yeah, so again, g- going back to the importance of partnering with your primary care physician mm-hmm. and your therapist, right? It, it it starts there, first and foremost, right? You need to get a proper, you know, like I did, bunch of tests, you know, ran. The good part of that was I hadn't had a good medical baseline in a few years, but mm-hmm. now it's like, you know what? <laughs> If anything does come up, we have a 
you know, a, a wide variety of history to look at to show, well, it's not this, 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 and this, and this. So, <laughs> you know, and that kind of gave me a comfort that even though it was kind of nerve wracking that they're not finding anything, what's going on here. It's like, on the other hand, listen, you're, you're healthy physically. Now we yeah. got to deal with, you know, the, the mental part and the trauma and everything else. And you're in the right place for that now. So, you know, Hey, we're, 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 we're good to go here. So again, going back to the coaching standpoint of um, the goals, right? That that's really, it's like, what, what do you want out of life? Who is the person that you want to be and want to become that like, that's kind of where, where we start. That's right? good. And again, mm-hmm. you know, from a, a coaching standpoint, like I can tell you a bunch of stuff, I'm still going to refer you back to a therapist to deal with the, those deep rooted issues. Right. I can allow myself to be a sounding board for it, but that's it. I can't say, oh, well, it sounds like you have this or you, you need based on this diagnosis. You need. I'm limited in, in that regard. Right. As a matter of fact, you get yourself in a lot of legal trouble, <laughs> trying, trouble. trying to say and do stuff with, within that arena. Yeah. You're not trained for it. Like if you ever look at the, uh, the regimen that most therapists have to go through. Yeah, you're not qualified for that. Yeah, and, oh, I don't not. I don't. I don't want to go through all that stuff. I'd rather partner with someone and help walk me through all the stuff, and I can have confidence of knowing you got all this experience that you can actually be a help. Yeah, to me. that's know? really good. Yeah, so really, um, it's really where where do you want to be? And this kind of goes like to the the um, the last section of my book that I call execution. Right, I talk about um, you need a map, you need a GPS. Right, the map is the mindset. The AP is the um, got the M mindset and the AP for action plan, right? Mm. So, based on your experience with your therapist and the things that your doctors told you to do, you need some type of way and structure to track how well you're following their directions, right? So, I I talk about what I call a, a toolkit, right? All the things that probably your therapist will kind of give you like a certain number of tools to say, Hey, try these different things, try this different type of, of breath work, right? Experiment with everything and do all your homework assignments that your therapist has, has told you to do. But once you find certain things have are, are, uh, are working or successful, that goes into your, your toolkit. Now your go-to for when different things come up, you're going to go back to what you and your therapist agree to. What's one right. or two? What's one or two in your toolkit that worked for you that you you can share? Oh, always going back to the breath. Always back to the breath. And it, it, explain breath. Is that just breathing techniques? Yes. Okay. Yep. It's, it's that simple. And that that was one thing. So I'm like, man, all we doing is breathing. Man, I ain't gonna do nothing. I want something. I want to. I want to fight. But it's like, mm-mm. you got to end the war. Why right? breathe? Why breathing? Because your breath is one of, and this goes into kind of. Some stuff I talk about in the is it the second section? Yes, the equipping part, where we talk about the basics of the nervous system, right? You have the parasympathetic part of your nervous system, which is rest and digest, the calming aspect. You have the sympathetic part, which is the fight or flight, mm-hmm. right? You can stimulate either one of those just by how the pattern of your breath goes. Oh, wow. If I'm taking short, shallow breaths, mm-hmm. I'm telling my body, hey, there's danger ahead. Oh, I says, OK, um, yep. Give them the cortisol, give them the adrenaline. 
Let's increase the heart rate. Let's get the blood going out to the limbs and um, get them ready to, to survive and protect themselves. Wow. Right? Just from the breath. And likewise, if I do belly breathing and I slow it down and I do what they call body scans where I'm literally noticing just different parts from my body, from my head all the way down to my toes and then back up to my, my head again. One of the major things, important things that it does is bring you to the present moment. Anxiety is always about anticipating danger in your future and trying to prepare for it, hmm. which is not a bad thing until that becomes debilitating and it takes over your entire life. It's so the norm. Your mind and the body in a way where you can't do anything. Wow. Man. But coming back to that breath brings you into the present moment and here and now, just like you and I are talking right now, there is no danger that I'm aware of, yeah. right? Just me and you sitting here talking. And it's that reality of truth that I accept that says, you know what? If I stay in this place long enough, my subconscious mind will say, yeah, there is no danger. Yep. Hey, turn off the adrenaline, turn off the cortisol, bring it down normal levels. There's no danger. Uh, we're safe based on what we're getting from this feedback loop from the breath and from the present moment. You don't say anything. All right. Turn it back off. And you start to work that almost like you're working a, a, a muscle over time. Yeah. Start to gain not only the ability to do it, but the confidence to say, you know what? Okay. Like earlier, we, we when we were going to my, my son's basketball game, my body was feeling some type of way. I was like, okay, I know what this is. Let me go ahead and get about 16 ounces of water. I took a cold shower, took a couple of uh, slow breaths, got in the car and just said, you know, under my breath, the little affirmations, I can do hard things. And I know that I'm safe. Thank you body for wanting to keep me, you know, protected and safe. There's no danger and there's no evidence of danger. So you let you let that feeling kind of go by like a cloud. You can't fight a rainstorm, but eventually that rainstorm is going to pass. No storm stays forever. You just got to be patient. Man, that's so good. You know, um, and thanks for sharing that because um, uh, especially about the breath, because it, it, it makes sense to me. You know, as a speaker um, getting on stage, um, there's all this rush of anxiety, right? When you, before you start. And for me, I find the shortness of breath because one, I'm excited. Yes. Two, I want to do my best yes. and I have to mentally calm myself down. Yes. Check it out. There's each time I do a podcast, I get that way. All this anxiety, oh, all yeah. this excitement just rushes and it, uh, decapitate i guess my breathing yeah. i'm like I'm, I'm like trying to talk and hold my breath and and trying to calm down all at the same time so man you sharing that makes so much sense to me brother listen man t share share more um tell them where they can find your book leaving jupiter navigating your anxiety and recovery and what uh what inspired you to write it oh i'll start with what inspired me first and that's just empathy Right. The more I started to kind of speak up and share what I dealt with on social media or just other public places, you know, all these folks were coming to me like, yo, man, me too. I'm like, what? I thought you were normal. Like you, you, you struggle with this too. And then you start to hear the stories and things that people go through. And I'm like, wow, how many other people are stuck where mm -hmm. I, I think about that that version of me that was sent home from the hospital with the same symptoms that he went into the hospital with and didn't know what to do next. What would mm -hmm. I say to him? Okay. And that's why I was like, all right, well, this is what I would say. Boom. You know, <laughs> take that in, you know, here's something to, to at least provide a framework to get you started. 
right? Even the name leaving Jupiter itself is is really it's like a it's a metaphor. If you think about the planet Jupiter, it's huge, right? There's no known like surface to stand on. Um, the air there is toxic in terms of some stuff that we would never breathe. The winds there are are incredible, and gravity is about close to two and a half times that of, of Earth. Imagine trying to leave there on your own. Mm-hmm. You know, it'd be almost would, wouldn't be almost impossible. Would be impossible. Imagine what that would feel like trying to leave that big planet by yourself, right? And so this is why I say, you know, I'm not trying to cure or diagnose or anything. It's like I want to provide a framework for you to advocate for yourself so you can understand what your recovery journey looks like as you partner with licensed professionals and you're honest enough to go through the the hard things and, um, you know, find that real healing and recovery from the deepest part of yourself. That's real good. Um, man. So, um, so tell me a little bit more about the work you do. Um, I'm, I'm quite interested because, um, I, I, I know I, I'm, I'm here. I keep hearing this word recovery, and the thing that stands out for me is a lot. I work with a lot of individuals in formerly incarcerated community, as mm-hmm. well as in recovery. And um, um, I think I'm just from my from hearing what you say, you're saying, I'm, I'm just curious. Uh, are you do you work with the, that community of people as well? I I, I have not. Um, okay. A couple of a while back, I did um, a group coaching with with some men. You know, I, I found it just kind of tough to get men to, to really show up consistently. You know, um, I started with about eight men and then maybe two to three were kind of there consistently. Sometimes it was like, you know, one on one, which was fine. I, I, I enjoyed it, you know, so much. And it was a completely like uh, voluntary, like a volunteer type thing. Uh, working with my my previous uh, therapist that that I had, and I said I absolutely would would love to to do this and be a part of you know what they were trying to do um, at, at that time. Um, I think that one of the main goals was just to get people at a comfortable place to open up. Right, one of the definitions that I have for the word uh, be, to be vulnerable or vulnerability is to be open and trusted environments. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not the same thing as being weak. Like weak is kind of like you're in a, a place almost, um, I think even biblically, like that term weak, it, it comes from the word in, uh, in infirmary right? or, or infirmity or being sick. Right. And that's not what we're talking about. It's, you know, you're allowing yourself to be seen for who you really are in a trusted environment where you're not going to be judged. Right. And that's where when you can really start to kind of heal and connect with the community, that's another huge aspect of, of healing and recovery. You can't do it on your own. Yeah. You can't. You, you, you are in an illusion. You're lying to yourself and you will not get better. It's right? like trying to leave Jupiter all by yeah. yourself. All by yourself. You, you yeah. need the, the different tools and the different people and the communities to help you to propel Strong enough to escape Jupiter's gravity or anxiety's gravity or whatever mental, you know, condition you're dealing with, the gravity of that to help you get out far enough to escape that pull to where you can navigate yourself back to a really, it's really a new identity. Right? Oh, that's good. Because up to that point, most of your identity was based on just trying to survive. Mm. Right. But it reminds me of something I, I, I watched the UFC, the mixed martial arts 
fighting and that there was a young lady named Ronda Rousey who was, I mean, she was just blowing through her whole division, right? Undefeated. Um, and she had a really bad night and, and got knocked out. She's in the mm-hmm. locker room. She's crying. And she's like, she asked one quick question. It hit me so hard. And I was like, gosh, she said, if I'm not this, if I'm not champion, then what am I? Mm. If I'm not this, then what am I? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I took my first L, right? I'm, I'm in a defeated space. What am I if I'm not this? Those are exact words. She was on the Ellen DeGeneres show and talked about even, you know, being suicidal and a bunch of stuff. And I was like, wow, how many of us ask that question when we reach that dark space where it's like, man, I can't be the, the, the illusion of the invincible person I thought I was. And if I'm not that, then, then who am I? If I'm not making accomplishments, then, then who am I? Right. Man. But again, those are things that you have to unpack in therapy. It's not your homeboys, not the people at the barbershop. Not even your your spouse or, or your siblings. You know they they love you and they can kind of provide a a safe place to to talk. But you need someone who can say, "This is what you're dealing with. This is what you're dealing with. This is what I'm seeing. Here's the road of how you need to come out of this. If you want, it's always your choice. Your therapist can't force you to say or do anything you don't want to do. You have as much freedom as you're willing to do the hard work for. Man, right? Yeah. That's so it, it's not easy. It's not easy. I'm telling you, there, there were times where I heard some truths that just kind of, there were times where if I say I had like my therapy session around lunchtime, I had to take the rest of the day off. Oh, I'm like, this, this was hard because I'd hold on to this kind of false reality or what my, my therapist called fantasy. I hated that word. Like, me fantasy, me fantasizing. And then when I sat down and thought about it after my emotions came down, I was like, they're right. And this is why I'm stuck here. So now am I willing to let go of those belief systems in order to come into something new where it's almost like we're so trained to gravitate towards the familiar, even if it's bad for us, because it's the evil that we know. Yeah. Right. I'd rather wake up having this, you know, kind of mini panic attack because at least I know what to expect from it. Yeah. Right? There's even a mind shift you have to do when you start to come into freedom because it's like, wow, there's no war to fight. There's no danger to scan for. Like, I don't know what to do with myself. Well, because that's who you were when you were in survival mode. There's a time for that. If there's a real danger, then yeah, you need to gear up. Right. But that shouldn't be, you know, three, four months at a time. <laughs> Nobody can sustain that. Neither can your body. Yeah. And you I, know, I, and the bill comes due. It's going to come due. You got to pay it. Man, that's so good. Um, it's just getting to that place. And 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 I and I heard you say something. I just um gosh, it was um I should have jotted a note. I should have jotted the note. I was gonna hold on to the thought. Oh. Where you said you had to take away, you had uh, you would come out of therapy search session mm-hmm. and would have to take the rest of the day off. Yeah. Is this that place where you had to sit uncomfortably? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, because now it's like you ever played a game called Jenga? Yeah. Where you have the blocks and you got to pull those pieces out, but you don't want the thing to fall. Your mm-hmm. therapist's job is to come in and take that piece that makes everything collapse especially if it's built on like a, a lie or a limiting belief yeah that that whole thing has to crumble 
and you got to start and rebuild those those pieces back up again. It's a healthy thing to do, but just like if you're playing a game and you're the one that makes the pieces fall, you're like, ah. Oh. So, so what would you do when, when you took the day off because you just I had to sit with this? What yeah. what was going through your mind, and what were some of the actions taken to help you process or get over? So the the first thing I've I've learned to do is to come to terms with with like my my body because the body always reacts and responds to different things of trauma. Like I heard somebody say that the subconscious mind expresses itself through the body, mm-hmm. right? So just if I felt like a tight chest or just kind of uneasy, one of the other things that I would do besides like breath work or a cold shower is just go for a walk. You know, some of my best ideas like come from just walking in my my neighborhood. Right. If I want to figure out something, even on my job, it's like, ah, you know, I've been sitting here all day. Let me just go for this little half mile walk. And ah, by the time I'm back, I'm like, oh, I know exactly what did I, I need to do right now. You know, uh, same thing. It's like, you know what? Let me just let me walk and get my do my breathing at the same time and just really just kind of sit with and ponder what was said to me today. Right. Because you're not just left with like a hard truth, you're also kind of given a tool that this is what you need to do to kind of rebuild or rewire, you know, so you even hold on to the kind of re- rewiring steps. And again, that goes back to, you know, speaking the truth, the speaking, the affirmation um, of the truth that you need to, to hold on to. Like the you know, Bible talks about the life and death is in the power of the tongue. It absolutely is. Right. What were some things that were said to you that, you know, brought death to certain ways of, of thinking? or create a certain pattern or behavior that wasn't necessarily um, healthy for you, right? Mm-hmm. You can do the opposite of that. That can be rewired to where you, you are doing more healthier things. You're not numbing yourself. You're not trying to escape, you know, certain bad feelings. It's like, no, I've sat with this long enough to where not only is it uncomfortable, but I also know that there's a truth that is bringing a new sense of peace, mm-hmm. Right. OK, if if I can't get my worth and value from accomplishments, which was kind of a false comfort. And now you're telling me my sense of worth and value comes from the fact that I exist. Well, then I don't have to like strive and struggle like I did before. It's uncomfortable, <laughs> but I also have a new piece that I don't have to like work for. Yeah. Right. How freeing is that? Like I just wake up and I'm worthy. Man, That's- I'll take that all day. Give yeah. me that. <laughs> yeah. It, it sounds like it comes with a fresh uh, breath. Of, I want to say a fresh breath of air, but I'm thinking clarity. It comes yes. with a, it comes with clarity. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Absolute, absolute clarity. Where it's like, okay, now I can rebuild my Jenga board on that truth, which is a lot more solid than, man. Let me see. I gotta accomplish all this stuff. I gotta look a certain way. You really created like a false character for everybody else. That's not the real you. That's the survival you. Wow. You know, and, and, and he has to go. Wow. Go. <laughs> or guess what? He's basically he's going to burn himself to a point where he's like, man, I, I just I don't have I don't have the capacity to to coexist with you anymore. Well, so, so Darius, what, I mean, we running out of time, and I could go another sixty with you, bro. <laughs> go another sixty with you, but I think I heard you say something, um, and 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 help me help me unpack this just a little bit before we oh. close. Mm-hmm. And that was that Darius, um, prior to um, the, the 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 challenge in life, um, the anxiety attack, there was a person who was living a life that wasn't true to who he authentically was, who lacked a sense of value, sense of purpose, 
And therefore, you were so busy pushing to thrive and succeed in life. Man, you about lost every. You had to, what'd you say? The bill gonna come? Yeah. It the came. Bill it came, I couldn't pay. <laughs> Bruh, close us out on this. What do you. What do you say to the men? And 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 what I, what I heard was and unpack them some simplicity steps for them. Yeah. What do you say to the men in the simplest form um, who re- reluctant to get the help, reluctant to live their true value or be be authentically themselves? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's one of those things where you have to come to terms with yourself and be honest with yourself. Nobody can do this part for you. For me, like I said, it took crisis mode to to help me look at reality and not the illusion that I created that was the person I thought was invincible. Right? But what I my message is to people, you don't have to wait until the crisis mode to come to that that realization, right? You don't even have to go to therapy when there's like a a major thing coming up. Sometimes you can just go to get strategies. Mm-hmm. Right. It doesn't you don't have you can go when it's sunny. You don't have to wait until the, the storm comes and, and, you know, you're on your way to a divorce or a, a, a breakdown or whatever. You can get the tools that, you know, once it's like building that that house on the firm foundation, when the storm comes and beat against that house, like it was ready for it. Right. It thrived, it thrived and, and, and not just survived the storm, but it thrived through it. Didn't lose a shingle. You know, <laughs> the windows are still intact. Yeah. You know, you have the opportunity right now where you are to take inventory of where you are in your life and ask yourself, what, who is the person that I want to be? And am I there right now? Do I need the help in getting to the person that I want to be versus the person that maybe numbing behavior, maybe, you know, dealing with all types of things that are really just helping you to go day to day and stay in a survival mode or have the illusion of thinking you're okay because you're functional. You know, functional eventually becomes unfunctional the same way if you know, like your check engine light comes on in your car, you know within yourself when your check engine light is on. And guess what? You can go a couple thousand miles with that light on. But eventually, when you start smelling that smoke, and you see that smoke in your car, you got to pull over the side of the road. And you might be on an interstate. And now you got now now you have to have somebody come and tow you and come help you. So you're going to pay now or pay later. But you have to decide in and of yourself. And secondly, if you do have kids or people that are watching you, you are modeling them through your behavior and telling them this is the way you're supposed to live. This is the way you're supposed to be. Right. And thirdly, and most importantly, know that you in and of yourself are worth getting the help that you need. There is nothing macho or manly about suffering in silence because mm-hmm. I did that for years until, again, my body just basically said, you know what? You didn't take heed. We got some things for you, right? And it's not going to be a fast recovery. But again, you don't have to wait for the crisis. The check engine light is on. Go get the help. And guess what? I honestly say this. The short-term discomfort I felt from talking about things that were uh, kind of shameful or hurtful or just stuff that I never talked to anybody about, the short-term time that I had to deal with that nothing in comparison to the freedom that I have now and the mm. ability I have now to talk to other people about it. Now, right. I don't care. Yeah. I used to be into this and that. I don't care because I'm free. Amen. Right? And there's no price that I could put on that. That would describe, 
you know, where I was compared to where I am now. Right. Even though I may have some some hiccups this past summer, actually, I went back to the hospital because I had really bad heart palpitations and I had a, another uh, panic attack. But this time I wasn't afraid because I was like, OK, I know what this is. Let me still go through the process of making sure that there's nothing physiologically wrong with me. Rule that part out. OK, call my therapist up. Here's what happened. I'm ready to do the work. Boom, boom, boom. Instead of take, taking three years for me to recover. It took about a month of just kind of resting and kind of finding balance again and being honest about what led up to the point of where I had my episode again. Okay, but guess what? Now you had the tools. Now you had the resources. Now you had the community to get through this, thrive through this, and do everything you wrote about in your book. (laughs) Now you're proving it true because you had to actually do that. Actually, when I got from the hospital, I was like, man, let me, um, what did I write on page 43? (laughs) <laughs> you went back re- relook at what you wrote. <laughs> Come on, you know that's a good book when you go back to reread it. Like, Yo, all book. Tell the people, what did you tell the people? All right, you go back and do that, man. <laughs> that's so good. That's so good. People need to hear that, man. What What are you saying? What are you doing? How are you showing up? Are you that reflection? Are you living the value you say right. is important to you, right. brother? I want to say thank you, man. Um, this was great. Um, I truly appreciate uh, your authenticity. Um, and thank you for sharing, fellas. Oh, before um, Darius, let the people know where they can find yeah. you at, where they can get pick yes. up the book, all that good stuff. Yes. So I am currently on Instagram and TikTok with the profile name Beyond Dot Anxiety underscore. Um, I usually post pretty pretty similar content to to both. Uh, every now and then there's a little bit of, of differences there. Then my website is www.beyond-anxiety.com. Um, and those are the three main places. And then you can go on uh, Amazon. I have a book bundle. I was running for um, running through December through my website to for free shipping. Uh, I may extend that on through the rest of, of January, but um, aside from my uh, main book, Leaving Jupiter, I also created a, a journal where you can write down, um, you know, your thoughts as well as just different prompts and things that, you know, you want to take with you to your therapist or your, your doctor's uh, office. So I don't have a photographic memory, so that I, there's usually things I usually forget. So I write down stuff so I'm prepared to share, this is what I'm feeling, this is what I'm dealing with, these are symptoms that I have, and don't hold anything back. You know, your willingness to, to the degree you're willing to be vulnerable correlates with your ability to be free, right? You don't worry about what somebody's going to think. Matter of fact, both your doctor and your therapist under HIPAA loss cannot share outside of, with the exception of you causing harm to yourself or somebody else, they cannot share outside of that office. and. If they're a decent human being with compassion and empathy, they shouldn't be judging you anyway. That's not their job to judge you. It's their job to help you get the tools you need to, to thrive in life and to heal. Good stuff. So, Man, good word, brother. Good word. Fellas, listen, don't waste another minute. Head over to Amazon, right? The book? Yes, sir. Yep. Um, Amazon. Leaving, leaving Jupiter, Navigating Your Anxiety recovery also if you challenge with this uh anxiety uh pick up the journal um go seek some help professional help 
Um, and not too bad to have a coach like uh, Darius on your team, man. So go to his webpage, follow him on his social media. We want to say thank you for taking time and rocking with us on the Leadership Podcast. We hope we brought value today to you. Um, listen, go unpack your life. Realize this, that you have everything you need to take your life to the next level. That's because your success is in your hands. Have a phenomenal day with purpose and God bless. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Leadership Podcast with Dwayne Roberts. We hope you found inspiration and practical wisdom that will help you in your leadership journey. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and leave us a review. We love to hear your feedback and suggestions for future episodes. Remember, true leadership begins with you. Leadership is not a position. Leadership is not a title. Leadership is having positive influence on others. Keep shifting. Keep growing. Keep leading with purpose. You can stay connected with Dwayne Roberts on all the social media platforms or by visiting our website, DwayneHRoberts.com. We want to say thank you. Remember, you have everything you need to make the leaders shift in your life. That's because your success is in your hands. Till next time, God bless you.